0: Psalm 67, uh, verses 1 and 2, it's a really short psalm, uh, seven verses. But verse 1 and 2 says this, May God be gracious to us and bless us, cause his face to shine upon us. That's verse 1. The word uh, that the psalmist uses is Elohim. May Elohim bless us. Elohim is the plural uh, word for God, the one true God. He is God over gods. He is supreme. It's also the very first A name we get of God in Genesis 1. Uh, You know, Elohim. In the beginning, Elohim created. Elohim was triune. Elohim was the trinity. God was not lonely. He did not need to create people. He was perfect eternally. Uh, And this perfect, eternal God above God's Elohim decided to create. It reminds us God is the creator. God blessed us with a hamburger yesterday. God blessed us with all those things that we were thankful for. The God of gods, Elohim, may God bless us. May he be gracious to us. God has shown us grace. If you're a Christian, God has shown us the greatest blessing he could possibly show us. That we've been saved by his grace. E- even though we've sinned, even though we've done all the things. You know, I don't know what you've done. Only God and Google, right, really know what all you've done. Uh, but can you imagine a God who knows all about you and loves you anyway? Because of the work of his son on the cross, God has shown us his free grace. He's blessed us. Make his face to shine upon us. You know, this is not a phrase we use a whole lot, but if you think about the psalmist is thinking of God as king. You know, when the king turns his face away, that's not a good thing. You know, when you make your dad mad and he just shakes his head, doesn't even say anything, he just goes, Phew. you know, that's, that's bad, right? <laughs> but the psalmist says, God, turn, not, turn away from your wrath. Turn your face away from your wrath. Remember Exodus 33, we can't see God's face, but in Revelation 22, we will see God face to face because of his grace. God, let your face shine upon us. It means I have a relationship with the king. Not only does his face turn toward me, but it shines on me. You're you're not just saved, but you're someone. You have an identity because God shines his face toward you and God bless us. God has blessed us spiritually, uh, emotionally, uh, but He's blessed us materially, you know, and you, as you guys have been talking about in this giving project, God has blessed us just with material blessings, off the chart. You know, I did a podcast, Pastor Kenny, like last or 2020, right in the middle of 2020. And the first question of the podcast was, "Are we in the middle of the end times?" You know, and these are Americans, at, and I said, "Well, because there's no toilet paper." You know, like is that is that why? <laughs> you know? It's like, if you travel, you know, or know history, you would know it's been worse than this before, right? Like, we're blessed. God has blessed us. God has saved us. But verse 2, what I want to do is I want to ask the question, God, what are you after? Because I think a lot of times we come to the Bible and we go, man, I know what I'm after. I want God's grace. I want to be blessed. But God, what are you after in the Scriptures? And verse 2 tells us, That yes, God has been gracious to us, he's blessed us, but there's a reason. Bless us, be gracious to us, that your ways, in other words, so that your ways may be known on the earth. In other words, there is a reason why you're still alive on planet earth right now under God's grace as a Christian, just like my boys. God has left you here with something to do. ...with that blessing. God has blessed us so that, God, your ways... ...this one God, your salvation, not just any salvation. This is is unique. This is exclusive. That salvation is only in this Elohim. It is only in His Son, Jesus. that, That missions is not arrogant. That it's necessary for people to hear about your name, your ways, your salvation... But that's why you're blessed. This blessing has come to you because it's on its way to the world. So can we just, this is kind of point number one. If, if you're a note taker, this is what I wrote in my Bible. Number one is I've been blessed to bless the world. All the nations of the earth. That your salvation will be known in the world. All the peoples. And, and, and this, this is what I am going to propose. Is that this summary in Psalm 67 is actually what the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation, has been teaching over and over and over. And most of us have, have missed it. Uh, I missed it most of my Christian life. That's why this message was so mind-blowing to me. Is I, I was like, how have I known the Bible and missed the story? Um, now, in, in California, in 1994 in California, there was an earthquake. Uh, it's like 6.7. It's a big earthquake. Two million people lost power. And, and that night, people started calling 911. People went outside, you know, after the earthquake, and it's pitch black, and people started making these 911 calls about what was floating in the air over Los Angeles. There's this, there's this gas. There's some kind of radioactive something. It, was, it looked like a cloud that was glowing. It was kind of purple, and people kept calling 911. Like, is this dangerous? Is this, you know, some kind of nuclear leak? And finally, somebody on, on the 911 end started to figure it out, and they said, sir, you're, you're fine, you're safe. Uh, what you see hovering, it's always been there. Uh, it's called the Milky Way. You've just never seen it before in your life. They saw the Milky Way for the first time. If you look at pictures of it, it is kind of freaky, right? Like, but, but there was all this light pollution in Southern California. It had always been there, but people had grown up their whole lives and never seen it. They'd never seen it. I thought, man, what a picture of what happens to me when I go to the scriptures and I look for my blessing, I look for myself. There's something there that's been there the whole time. Man, I've just been blinded to it. And we need to see, we need to ask God to help us see it this morning. Now, if you ask me about the stars, I don't know. You know, some people know all the constellations. I know the Big Dipper. And you guys know the Big Dipper, right? Okay, I can, I can point to that one. Uh, and, and what's funny is once someone points out the Big Dipper for you, what? Every time you see it, it's what? It's the Big Dipper. You know, you, you almost can't unsee it. Once you've connected those dots, you, you really see it and you can't unsee it. And that's what happened for me in the scripture. Let me show you what God has been doing from the very beginning, Genesis 12. Now, in Genesis, God creates man, they sin, he scatters them at the Tower of Babel. But you probably didn't know that right after the, the Tower of Babel, right after he creates all these different languages and nations, all this diversity, in the very next chapter, he starts a plan on how he's going to win them back to worship him. And it's through one person, Abram. or You know him as Abraham. And here's what God says to Abraham. Abraham, I want you to leave your country, your land, that I, and go to the land that I will show you. And I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you into a great nation. Here it is again. I will bless you. God wants to bless his people. And I'll make your name great. But here it is. But you will be a blessing. You see what I'm talking about? God is saying, Abraham, I'm going to bless you I'm going to bless your family, but not just for you. You're just going to relay this grace, this blessing on. I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing. And then verse 3 says this, so that all the nations of the earth might be blessed through you. Does that sound familiar? See, Psalm 67 is not a verse standing by itself in the middle of Psalms. It's an echo. It's a song to remind us of this Abrahamic covenant promise. And so do you think God's going to keep that promise? Right? Like, I mean, I hope so. He promises it to Abraham, but he also promises it to Abraham's son Isaac. He says to Isaac, your descendants are going to be blessed. They're going to be like the stars in the sky. And he says, but it's not just about you. Let's look, let's look at, we have Isaac, there we go. Your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky, but through your family, through your offspring, All nations of the earth will be blessed. That's Abraham. That's Isaac. When Isaac has a son Jacob, God repeats the promise to all three patriarchs. Jacob, your descendants will be blessed too. They'll be like the dust of the earth. That's a great blessing, right, in ancient Near East that we would bless your family. But it's so that all the peoples, all the nations, Gentiles, that's what that means, of the earth will be blessed through you. And through your offspring. Ultimately this blessing will come through Jesus. But the way that it makes itself to each of these nations. Is through this family. It is a missionary family. Right? Missions is the family business. And so that just begs the question. If you're a believer. Guess what? You're a part of this family. That's the mystery of the New Testament. Is that you and I are grafted in to this family of Abraham, by our faith, by grace. You are Abraham's descendants, according to the promise. So guess what? Missions is the family business, and you're in the family. This blessing, this gospel has been passed down, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the prophets, to you and me, because it's on its way to the ends of the earth. That's what God is doing. Throughout the Old Testament, we see this, the Ten Commandments. And and I, you know, most of you know these stories. These aren't ...you know, hidden stories. When Moses gives the people the law and rereads it to him in Deuteronomy... ...says this, I've taught you these decrees and laws as God commanded me. Observe them carefully because this will show our wisdom and understanding to the nations. The law was meant to attract these nations to Israel. God is the source of truth. He's the source of wisdom. When God brings his people out of Egypt in the Exodus... And he, you know, he does the plagues. He says to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, I, this was all my design. This was all my purpose. God says, Pharaoh, I've raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. And, and it was. You know, this made like CNN headlines. This was, this was talked about for 40 years after this. That's why Rahab, you know, hears about it. Oh, we've heard about what God did in the plagues 40 years later. God blesses his people to be a blessing to the world. David and Goliath, you know, these are stories hopefully you know. David goes out to fight Goliath, but look what he says. He knows, he knows why he's fighting Goliath. That God's doing something bigger than just defeating a giant. He says, this day I'm going to strike you down. And he does all kinds of other trash talking here. It's kind of gross, so I just left it out. Something about the birds eating your flesh. <laughs> it's not real PG. But here's what he, get. he says, I'm going to strike you down because the whole world's watching. You know, CNN is here. Like, the whole world's going to talk about this, and they're going to know there's a true Elohim. The one true God is in Israel. He saves. He saves his people. When God gives Solomon wisdom, you know, it wasn't just for Solomon. So he could write books or be famous or have a podcast or whatever. You know, God gives him wisdom and it says kings came from all the nations. Men came from all the nations of the earth. The queen of Sheba comes from probably a thousand miles away because she's like, we've heard about your wisdom. God is drawing in the nations. Even though he's blessing Israel and blessing his people, he's doing it with a purpose. And then we forget, right? We all forget. So Israel forgot. And so he would remind, God would remind him through his word. Uh, In Isaiah, God has to remind his people. I know you care about your own people. He says, you know, it's too small of a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob. Remember Abraham, Isaac, Jacob? He's like, that's your own people, that's your own family. Of course, you know, of course we care about Pennsylvanians. You know, of course we care about America. And that's okay. But God is saying, Man, that's 5% of the world. Think, like, think bigger. God's doing something bigger. It's too small for Jesus to be the servant. That he's going to send the suffering servant to just restore the tribes of Israel. He says, I'm also going to make you a light to the nations that you might bring my salvation. Where it's headed from the very beginning to the ends of the earth. That's the finish line that God's working with. Is all nations, all peoples. That's where it's headed. I, I, I mean, we, I wish we had time. Because I, I did not see this, Pastor Kenny. I was a Christian for way too long. And I was embarrassed. I was like, how did I not see this through the scripture? You know, I I went to Dallas Seminary, you know, (laughs) study the Bible. I knew the Bible, but I missed the story. And I was like, how did I miss this? And it's all through the scripture. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they get out of the fire, you know, the king writes a letter to men of every language, every nation that, hey, we're gonna start worshiping that God. King, uh, you know, Darius, when Daniel gets out of the lion's den, King Darius writes the same letter to men of every language, every nation, that's the true that that must be the true living god god of daniel psalms it's all through the psalms psalms 46:10 be still and know that i'm god i will be exalted among the nations i will be exalted in the earth psalms 86 all nations whom you've made shall come and worship before you you think god's going to keep that promise habakkuk 2:14 for the knowledge of the glory of the lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea do you think god's going to keep that promise Malachi 1, from the rising of the sun to its setting, God says, my name will be great among the nations. You think God's going to keep that promise? Listen, that's the mission that drives this entire story. And if missions is not your thing, you, know, you need to get a different holy book because you're not going to like this one. It's over 2,000 times. God talks about his heart for the world, for the nations. When we see Jesus' life, If you were a Jewish person reading the life of Jesus, you'd be so confused because most of his miracles, two-thirds of his miracle stories are done toward internationals, not his own people. Look at his life, all these healings, all these miracles. He's trying to model for the disciples, I am the hope of the Gentiles, not just for you. I am the hope of the world. Every once in a while the disciples would ask Jesus a good question. A lot of times they ask him stupid stuff, right? Like they did some dumb stuff, and I would have been right there with them. But every once in a while they ask him a good question. Matthew 24, they ask him, Jesus, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? They, they ask about the end of the story. And if you think about it, this is a moment where we get a peek into the mind of the one person who walked planet Earth who knows where the story is going. So you might want to pay attention to what he says. And it's almost like Jesus is like, oh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll talk about that, you know. There's going to be wars, famines, rumors of wars, persecutions, earthquakes, you know, all this stuff that happens. But he actually answers their question. And I think it's such a cool moment. I mean, if we got to sit down with, I don't know, you know, J.K. Rowling, halfway through Harry Potter, and you get to ask, you know, where's the story going? Like, is Harry going to marry that girl or what? You know, like, what's happening? Uh, Wouldn't that be an awesome interview? Like, that would be worth a lot of money. And, And they get to ask Jesus, where's the story going? And for him... There's a major, major finish line. In verse 14, here's what he says. Yeah, there's going to be wars and famines and all that stuff. But this gospel of the kingdom. In other words, this question triggers in Jesus' mind that there is a finish line on the horizon of what God is doing in his story. And this is it. That this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And, And that's what it's waiting on. At least for him, something about this triggered in his mind, this Abrahamic covenant, this arc of scripture that's headed toward that one day. We need to have that finish line in our mind. And God is saying, we get to be a part of that. You know, my boys, when they were little, they used to love to be in weddings. They, they would be like the ring bearer. You know, they were, back when they were cute, now they're kind of awkward middle schoolers and chubby. But when they were cute and small... <laughs> They got to be in one wedding, and then from then on, they wanted to be in everybody's wedding. Like all of our single friends, they'd be like, when are you gonna get married, Melissa, you know? Because they wanted to be the ring bearer, and we were at this, uh, we went to a friend of mine's wedding, and they were set to be the ring bearer, and we had all this, you know, little bow ties and all that stuff for them, and the day before, my friend called me, he's like, hey, I'm so sorry, but my cousin wants to be the ring bearer. And my boys are devastated, and you know, they were, I was like, it's okay, boys, you know, we'll, we'll do something. The next morning, we get out, we're getting dressed for the wedding. My friend calls me, and he's like, hey, or I, I get off the phone, and I'm like, boys, I got, some, I got some news. The cousin broke his leg, so the Hickmans are back in, baby. <laughs> get your suits on. Get your bow ties. They were pumped. They look like, you know, freshmen at the Citadel. They, you know, they're carrying the rings, and they're so excited, man, and my wife's like, do they have the real ring? And I'm like, No. Of course not, right? They're five years old, of course. They never have the real ring, right? Uh, The groomsman has that. But they're excited, you know, and what blows me away, man, is that God has this incredible story, but he entrusts with you and me the real thing. Like my kids were plan B, but but you and I, we're plan A. And there is no plan B. God entrusts the gospel to us to bring it to the world. I wrote this down in my notes. You can write this down. What God has begun is ours to complete. Famous missionary said this, Luther Wishard. What God has begun is ours to complete. I believe uh, this is what Paul writes about in Galatians. You don't have this in your notes. But it says that God foresaw that he would justify the Gentiles by faith and preach the gospel in advance to Abraham saying all nations will be blessed, and you, you know why Paul was such an incredible missionary? It's because he knew the Abrahamic promise. But in verse 13, 14, Galatians 3, he says, well, this is why he redeemed us. This is why you're a Christian here on the planet right now. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the nations. He's saying it's a relay. This gospel's come to you on its way to the ends of the earth. But here's the news. It's, it's, it's not there yet to all the peoples, all the nations, it's not even close. It's it's just not even close. Uh, I wanna show you a map and and thanks to Gary and other people, your church has a great vision for this. Uh, You you are sending workers to this area of the world, but it's rare, it's rare, Pastor Kenny. This is known as the 1040 window and, and we're gonna talk about this more this afternoon and you may have never heard of this before and that's okay, I hadn't either. But this is an area of the world that represents where most of the lost people on planet Earth are. You know, I I was kind of, when it came to missions, I didn't really care that much. Because I was like, I know plenty of lost people, right? Like, I don't need to get on a plane to find lost people. I got plenty of of fraternity friends in college. And I know plenty of lost people. Why would we raise money and why would we put somebody on a plane? But I didn't understand that men in the world, five out of six lost people on planet earth have no opportunity to hear about Jesus. There's no Bible, there's no church, they're a very different kind of loss than your friend at work who has you. And I didn't realize that, they're unreached. Um, now we're not good at world geography in America, I get that, You know, I'm not gonna ask you to name the countries. Uh, there's been polls done that are, it almost sounds like I'm making it up. There's a, a National Geographic survey, one in seven, North Americans could not point to North America on a map of the world, okay? That's, that's a true survey, okay? That's pretty bad. Like, if you got abducted by aliens, you couldn't find your way home, you know? Uh, so we're probably not that bad. I, I'm going to assume you guys are not that bad. Um, but, man, if we opened up a map of the world and we just started asking questions about, man, where is Jesus known? How would you do it that quiz? How, how many missionaries are there in the world? Write down a number. How many people groups are there in the world? Write down a number. How many are unreached? Write down a number. How much money is given to world missions? Write down a number. How many Bibles are there that, see, nobody's laughing anymore. How many Bibles are there that don't have the, the their Bible and the, their language? Don't you think we need to know some of these things? And, and really, this afternoon is not it's not about pushing you onto an airplane to go to Papua New Guinea. It's about just saying, man, God, I need, to, I need to open my Bible and open my map and learn about your world so that I can be a strategic person in it. Can I be honest with you? Most of you in this room would say, man, I'm called to be right here. Well, I, I think God leads us through facts. How can God lead you based on facts you don't know? And, and so most, a lot of you are signed up already for this afternoon. If you're not, I just want to let you know, we're going to have fun. But we're going to just look at, man, what is the state of the world so that I can be a strategic Christian with my money, with how I pray, where I choose to live. That's all we're doing this afternoon. It's not going to be guilt or anything like that. It's just going to be saying, man, we need to open the map and learn about the world so that we can be good stewards in it. Now, I think Paul did this. That's why Romans 15, 20, Paul says this about his life. He reorients his, orients his life around this mission says, I've always made it my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ is not known. In other words, he's looking, he's open, not just the Bible, but he's opening the map and saying, God, where are you not known in the world? How can I live? How can I pray and give toward that end in the world? And we call those people global Christians, not missionaries, but just global Christians who've said, man, God, I need to reorient, reorient my giving. This is God's giving project, Right? Is that we're blessed to be a blessing to the world? I need to reorient my prayers. I need to reorient how I raise my kids and how I talk about the nations around us and all those things around your global story. That's what we're going to talk about this afternoon. Is that finish line? Um, you know, I I realize, especially in Southern California, there's so much anxiety, so much depression. And the world says, "Men, just when it comes to problems, look the other way. You know, injustices, look the other way. And when you shut out every other problem in the world, I know this is a big problem. It's a heavy problem. But when you begin to shut out all the other problems in the world, and when you unfollow all the other you know, tragedies, you know the only thing you're left with is who? Me. And that's a recipe for depression and anxiety. You know why there's so many emotional support animals now? It's because you need to care about somebody outside yourself. That's what science has taught us, is it's healthy for you. It's emotionally good for you to have something outside of yourself to care for. God has given us this mission, not because he's desperate for people, but because you and I need something. We need a mission outside of ourselves. So this is my last point, and then we'll close. I must join God's story to find real joy. This afternoon, we're talking about joy. We're talking about where do I find the life that I really want? Is it in Super Bowl rings? I don't think it is. Or is it in joining God in his story? 2 Corinthians 5 says this, that Christ died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. You know, Christianity is not about inviting Jesus into your heart. It's about Jesus inviting you into his and what he's doing. And when we look at the end of God's story in the book of Revelation, we see this. God's going to keep his promise. That's the good news. God is the last word. Revelation 7, 9, John records this scene of the future it says i saw before me a great multitude that nobody can count but there were people there in heaven from every every nation every tribe every people and every language god is going to keep his promise he's going to fulfill this covenant promise to abraham he's going to bless all the nations but he's inviting you and i into this story and here's the thing that blows me away is that if you turn to hear you woke up today right here between Jude and Revelation. That, that should blow you away that the story's not over. You woke up today in the middle of God's story. There's still time left for you and I to say, man, we get to be alive in the middle of this story that God is writing and what he's doing. And listen, you don't understand the greatness of your life until you understand the greatness of God's story and the story he's telling. So would you join us this afternoon? I'm going to pray real quick for us uh, and pray for this afternoon.